Okay. So I want to add that here it is. Mary. She was an ordinary person. But it was the supernatural power of God through faith that caused her to birth a child and to not have had any sexual intercourse with a man. That is supernatural. You mean to tell me that you are a virgin and the spirit of God puts a seed in you that grows into the, the, the son of God? Well, remember, every day you live is supernatural. The very air you breathe and you can't see is supernatural. The sun that's in the sky and, 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 and is held by mere air is supernatural. The earth and it's in the fullness of the galaxy that neither freezes or burns to death is supernatural. The clouds that you see in the sky is supernatural. How a rainbow is created is supernatural. How the grass grow and how fruits can just grow from a seed is supernatural. Let's even think about how our body works, how you can injure yourself and it heals your itself. It's supernatural. The way that you can go to a gym and your body is hurt and your bone and your muscles are aching and it heals itself and becomes even stronger is supernatural. So so the next time you're saying that this story of Jesus Christ is a little bit too far fetched or this story of Jesus Christ is a little too supernatural for my natural mind. Just take a look at yourself in the mirror. How your father and your mother, they created you, but yet you come out. Out of you, you start as a as a as a embryo, and you grow into a a a man and a woman, or or a grown woman, and you still have your own identity. That there's no other person that has lived before you, that lives now in the world, and even that will come after you will be identical to you. Let's go even deeper. Many of us who have siblings, we're still created by the same. Some of us we're still created by the same mother and father. But yet we all still come out very different. The Bible says that the Lord, he knows the very hairs that are on our head. And so that's the supernatural God that we serve. So we're going to pick back up. At verse 17. <clears throat> Continue to read. Matthew chapter 1. Verses 17. Thus there were 14 generations. In all from Abraham to David. 14 from David. To the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Continue. Verses 18. Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law 
and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give his to and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24. Pause right there. So that expels the Jesus that's out there that says that Jesus Christ was a prophet. Oh, yes. Our father, our God was a prophet, but he also came to save us from our sins. Verses 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Chapter 2 of Matthew, the Magi visit the Messiah. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the king who had been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had Seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and mirth. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Yes. <clears throat> the Bible calls these three men the three wise men. They heard that the Son of God was coming into the earth, coming into the world. And they brought him gifts. They bought him gold. They brought him all type of precious items. And they bow, the Bible says that they bowed down and worshipped him. And Jesus was just a baby at this time. So how is it that we say that we worship Jesus Christ, the son of God, the savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, and we bring him nothing. All we do is bring him our complaints, our dissatisfaction, our judgments, our self-righteousness, our religion, our hatred towards our brothers and sisters. Some of us, this is what we bring until unto the God with us. <clears throat> and you know what's funny? That there was another King Herod. He was reigning at this time. And soon as he heard that there would be another ruler born, the Bible says that he was greatly distressed. I believe that he was in furious and angry because he was afraid to lose his position. He didn't want to lose his reign and his authority to another. <clears throat> But God is amazing and God, he, he showed the wise men not to return or let them know where Jesus was. Now let's really make this a little personal. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel like God has placed you in a position? God has, 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 um, spoke a word over your life, but then you see the enemy trying to come and figure you out. The enemy trying to come and find you. The enemy is trying to come to make sure that you don't take their places. And, 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 but God, God himself will intervene and he will fight for you and he will hide you and he will continue to lead and guide you. But this all comes with Continuing to seek him. So we're going to continue reading. Matthew chapter 2 verses 13. The escape to Egypt. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord has said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Verse 16. 
When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel reaping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Wow. So here it is. Jesus wasn't even able to be brought into the world yet. He just got he was I mean not, he was not even able to even know his name. He wasn't even able to walk yet. He wasn't even able to say gaga google. And there was already a king searching to kill our savior in other words the devil saw the salvation coming to us and he said no let me kill this 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 god let me kill this salvation before it reaches the people and i say this all the time Many of you who have heard my messages before that a lot of people, they like to associate the suffering of Christ just on the cross. But I'm looking here in scripture and it's showing me that his trouble started even being a baby boy. And I want to add this before I, we continue reading. Um, that see, I love this is what I love about the scripture. It confirmed itself. There were two times that it says as the prophet prophesied. Now these when the prophet prophesied, these were thousands of years before this was taking place in Matthew's. That the virgin will birth a child. And it said, uh, and it was another part that says that um, it was prophesied again that the, the um, that there will be a star that will appear when Christ, the Christ will come into the world. And you have to understand that Jesus Christ is not just based on the gospels or the the new testament jesus christ was preached even in the old testament so that also destroys the ideology that why certain people only say oh i only want to i live my life and i study from the old testament or i only want to live and study and live my life and study uh Concerning what God is saying in the New Testament, because the Old Testament is irrelevant. No, the Old Testament is just as relevant as the New Testament, 
because there was even the pro remember in the, the Bible says in the beginning, God said, let us make men in our image and our likeness. So that lets you know that God wasn't alone when he even created man. It shows that even in Genesis, that the spirit of God was there. Jesus was there and he was there. He said, let us make men in our image and our likeness. Who is the us that we're talking about? God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit, just like how we're created. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have flesh that is in God's image and his likeness. And that's one, one portion of his identity and not the whole identity of Christ. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter two, verses 19. The return to Nazareth. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Egypt. Oh my God, this is so powerful. It shows that whatever you sow, you will surely reap. I'm going to say that again. The earth was founded on sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. You plant a seed, guess what it's going to do? It's going to yield you a harvest. So by Herod, First trying to kill the son of God and then getting mad and start killing every other young baby boy in the, in the whole town came on his own head. And the Bible says that he, he died shortly after. So for those who believe that they can just do whatever they want to do to people, hurt people, uh, curse people, destroy people, steal from people and, and do all these things. And don't think that that karma is going to come back around to you. Guess what? The earth is founded on sowing and reaping and vice versa. If you are sowing good. You're helping people, you're, you're, you're giving, you're loving, you're honest, you're truthful. Then that karma, that reaping is going to come back to you. And you best to believe that when it comes, the Bible says as a child of God, it shall come seven times a hundredfold of what you have sown. Verse 22, Matthew chapter 2. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning in Judah, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene.
Chapter 3 John the Baptist prepares the way. In those days, John the Baptist came. Pause right there. I want to share this. The Bible also said that Mary, his mother, was a Nazarene. And then he, as a child, they fled to Nazareth and that's where he lived. And that's where he took the Nazarite vow. And that also dispels even who Jesus Christ is and even his identity. Now, I personally don't care if Jesus was black, blue, white, yellow, green. He saved my sins. He loves me. He's my best friend. He is my counselor. He's my, my educator. He is the son of God. So, but, but we're talking about Jesus of the scripture here and we're talking about truth. God is a God of truth. So therefore Jesus had to have a little melanin. Uh Oh, Jesus had to have a uh, long hair. The Bible says in revelation that Jesus, um, that his hair was like wool and his feet was like bronze and his eyes was like red as fire. And, and so this is showing you, it's giving you a little bit of understanding of who Jesus was, how he was raised, who his mother was and, and how, um, he was identified. Okay. In society. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. This is so powerful. My God, my God. So here it is. Jesus is, is born. He's living in Nazareth. He's a child at this time. But then there's John the Baptist. The Bible calls him a prophet. And he was in the wilderness preaching the way of um, that Jesus was coming. And, and that Jesus was the way to salvation. And he was baptizing people in the wilderness. The Bible says that he was eating locusts and honey. That he was his body, that what he had on at the time was just camel's hair tied around him. And people will say, so that dispels the lie that says, oh, God is not with you if you don't have money. God is not with you because of how you look. God is not with you because you, 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 you look poor. God is not with you because you don't wear the designer clothes. You know, there's this gospel that's going around that's saying that, um, Basically, the, the, the more blessed you are is what is the more tangible things that you have. And that and, and, and also it also uh, dispels the lie that says that God will not call um, that. Remember, this is the New Testament. So the, in the New Testament, God called John the Baptist. And here it is again, an ordinary man. 
He was an ordinary man, but his assignment was to go into the wilderness to preach that the son of man was coming, was coming into the the earth. His assignment, I'm pretty sure that he fasted a lot, (laughs) that he prayed a lot, that he preached a lot. See, and we shy away from this gospel because we don't want to be taken out of our comfort zone. We don't want to be taken out of our element. We, th- we say that it don't take all of that. But if it's someone's soul, your family's soul to be saved, it's your, if it's your friend's soul, salvation, if it's your, 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 your loved one's salvation, God will ask you to do things out of the ordinary. If it's to break the curses off of your own life, God will cause you to enter into a place of solitude. Sometimes you may be in a place of suffering. Sometimes you will have to fast. Sometimes you will have to pray because he wants to make you an instrument to continue to the legacy. We just read the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Guess what? If you ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your life to be Lord and King, you believe he died for you and he rose again. You're the continuation of the genealogy of Christ. You're the continuation of the genealogy of Christ. So now it is your assignment in the earth, whether you are a doctor, a hairstylist, whether you are a teacher, a lawyer, is to continue to preach salvation to, into the, to the world that the son of man is coming back. See, John the Baptist, he was preaching that Jesus Christ had come to die, but now In our generation, we're preaching that Jesus is going to return in all glory, in all power and, 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 and come for his people. Are you, are you continuing the genealogy of Christ or are you still, do you still think that your lineage, your, your, and, or are you still connected to flesh? Are you still connected to all the things that you think that um, you're supposed to be connected to? Do you identify yourself as spiritual or do you identify yourself as natural? If you if if you really truly believe the scriptures that all all old things has passed away, behold, you are a new creature, then you have to identify with the genealogy of Christ. Oh, but I can't come to church because my mama said, oh, I can't come because I'm working. Oh, I can't, I can't preach because I'm scared. Oh, I can't, I can't go because my cousin. Oh, I can't. You're still attached to the flesh. There's a part of you that do not believe that you are brought out of the old and into the new. There's a part of you that believes that you're still the same old person. That's why you can't get free. That's why you can't walk in victory because you're still identifying with the old person. The same person that Jesus Christ came and died for. And hey, the Bible also says some like darkness because their deeds are evil. 
But if you say that you are true, that you are a servant of Jesus Christ, that you serve the true and living God and you desire and you long and you thirst after righteousness, then you're walking into the new. And guess what? Every single new thing in your life is going to be unrecognizable. It's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be a lot of things that are unknown. It amazes me how some of us, and I'm talking about the body of Christ all over the world, that we come into the kingdom of God. We don't want to be mentored. We don't want to study the scriptures. We don't want to follow instructions. We don't want to learn who we are in our new life. We want to take the old dead things, the old dead man that Christ already crucified with him. Okay. And to this new life and we, and say that God, I don't need your direction. Oh Lord, it don't take all of that. I can still live and be saved. But there was a Jesus Christ who came and, and, and as we continue to study the scriptures, he's requiring us. He said, he said, come as you are. But don't stay the same. There goes again that if you are professing Christ and you but you are staying the same, then you are denying the power thereof. You're denying the 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 delivering power that your father has given you not only for your own life, but to begin to set others free. Now, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But let's continue to read. So here it is. John the Baptist, an ordinary man. He was called by God. He was in the middle of the wilderness. He was eating locusts and honey and he had camel's hair. But but guess what? There were I'm pretty sure there were thousands of people that were getting saved and delivered. And guess what? Even if John the Baptist got married or even if he bought a house or even if he got a new car, he had a great career. All that stuff will not be remembered. The only thing that would be remembered is and is remembered is how many souls that he brought into the kingdom. I'm sorry, but you can some people, they actually get buried in their cars, but their soul, their souls are not in that car that's in the grave. They're actually passed on to the to the next life, whether eternal separation from God or eternal um, eternal life in the spirit life in eternity in heaven. I call it paradise. Amen. Matthew chapter 3, verses 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think You can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
The Bible says that in the last days that many will have itchy ears. See, the reason why a lot of people is not preaching the Christ of the scripture is because a lot of the scripture is not appeasing to the flesh or appeasing to that part of you that wants to live. Here it is. John the Baptist doing what God told him to do. He's not bothering nobody. For God's sake, he didn't even bother anybody for a shirt or some shoes or even a filet mignon. But here it is, the religious order. Those who were not living righteously, but were hiding under traditions, were hiding under religion. Here they go, bothering him. And his response to them was, you brood of vipers. Now, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people... Here it is. When we preach, we the, they want us to be politically correct. They don't want us to offend anybody. But I got news for you today that the gospel is offensive. Whether you try to sugarcoat it, whether you try to hide it, the power of God himself, he don't need our permission in how he wants to bring salvation. And the and remember, every prophet, every messenger is not speaking of words of their of themselves. They're speaking words of the Holy Spirit and of God. So he said, you brood of vipers. For some reason, I don't know, we also have this fairy tale that 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 um. Oh my God, my pastor, he was out of line because he said that I was living like a rat, living ratchet. <laughs> what? So now we can't take rebuke. We can't take, we can't, we hate when the word of God or the messenger of God, the prophet of God begin to expose where we are. The question is, it's not, don't be offended that, um, the pastor said that you was living a ratchet life. The question is, are you rat? Are you, are you living a ratchet life? Because if you are living a ratchet life, then your responsibility, whether you got offended or not, is to change because that very same word will be held against you in the day of judgment. So let's go on. Let's see how this John the Baptist continued to deal with these Religious traditional sinners, because <laughs> that's all they are. Whether you throw, whether you go to church every day, whether you pray every day, or you think, or you think you read a scripture every day to try to it, cover up, you know, the fact that you cuss, the fact that you lie, the fact that you are covetous or jealous, the fact that you that you steal and you and you hate people. That's just you're fooling yourself, but you're surely not fooling God. Verse 11, Matthew 3. I baptize you with water for repentance, 
But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Verse 13, the baptism of Jesus. Pause right there before you go. I want to say this too. I want us to realize why did John the Baptist use the term brood of vipers? This is so powerful. And if you get this, and apply it this wisdom to your own personal lives you can begin to not only see the heart of Jesus but also you can be able to identify how truly the religious order or the traditional order is ran by why did he use the term brood of vipers the bible calls satan the, the great serpent. What does a serpent do? What is the, the Bible says also the serpent was cursed. And how, why was the serpent cursed? Because the Bible says that he lied. He was moving in lies and deception. And he he caused Eve to and Adam to sin and eat the fruit that that they were forbidden to eat upon. Now. The character of a snake is, a, uh, uh, I would say, it, it's sneaky, it's cunning, it slithers and hides, and it has a double tongue, a two-sided tongue. And so here it is, these, these at the time, people were revering them as... Um, powerful men of God, but the Holy Spirit identified them as cunning, liars, sneaky, you know, um, being a child of the devil. And that is exactly, as a matter of fact, when Jesus started preaching, that's what he called them. And I'm pretty sure that people will say, oh, that ain't God that called me no child of the devil. <laughs> the baptism of Jesus, Matthew chapter three, verses 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove 
and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus is tested in the wilderness, Matthew 4. So it shows that John the Baptist was baptizing with water. And although John the Baptist was an ordinary man, he was so highly esteemed by God that he had the opportunity to baptize Jesus. Now, I want to share that Jesus was the son of God. He did not need to be baptized, but he was baptized for a reason. As we study the scriptures, you're going to start realizing that everything that Jesus did was for a purpose, no matter how far fetched, no matter how um, amazing, no matter how, you know, how whatever he did, it was always for a purpose. So Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist because he came as an example for us to follow out our salvation. I'm going to say that again. Jesus was allowed uh, John the Baptist to baptize him, even though he didn't need to be baptized. As an example for us to follow in how we should walk out our salvation. Okay, so now as we listen to the scriptures, not only we should be learning about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but also. Looking it as looking at his life as an example of how we should live. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him, came to him and said, "If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread." Jesus answered, "It is, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God." Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. "If you are the Son of God," he said, "throw yourself down, for it is written." He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Hallelujah. This is also a powerful nugget. I hope that you're not only listening with your ears, but you're listening with your spirit and your heart. So. Right after Jesus got baptized, the Bible says that the spirit of God led him into the wilderness. It also breaks this notion that once you receive God, everything is going to go right. The Holy Spirit is always going to lead you into the blessing. The, not the blessing. I won't say the blessing because the blessing can be a changed attitude, 
a blessing, you know, so I'll say that he'll always lead you into the easy way out because he can foresee everything. The, the spirit of God is always going to lead you to, um, avoiding trouble. Or once you get saved, all your sins is just going to go away. All your troubles is just going to be wiped out. Now, yes, your sins does go away, but there is a process of deliverance you need far as the, the wisdom, the knowledge and understanding of how to get free. First, why you're in sin. It, I mean, that you're choosing the sins that you're in. And also the knowledge, wisdom and understanding and how you can break free from the sin that you're in. And then the power of God and the Holy Spirit will strengthen you, heal you, and deliver you to walk in the victory that Jesus Christ died for us to have. Now, I want to share that um, here it is, Jesus Christ, right after he was baptized, he went, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Bible says that Jesus was, has, was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. Now, even though Jesus was the son of God, he still was partially flesh. He had, he was born in the flesh. So guess what? He, he filled everything that we feel. He, he felt the imperfections in his body. He felt the inadequacies that he had. And he felt uh, the desires of the flesh. He did because he was born in the flesh. So therefore he was fasting. He, but he did also have us the supernatural power of God. The same with us. Those who are walking in the uh in the righteousness of God through the Holy Spirit you do still see that you um have the desires of the flesh the the inadequacies of the flesh but there's a power within you that causes you to live a supernatural life it's the same thing because we're the genealogy of Christ by and also by receiving the spirit of power that raised Christ from the dead so what I love about this scripture is that as he was being, as he was suffering, the Bible says that, oh, the devil say, oh, I, I, he's weak now. Let me tempt him to sin against God, because I know once he finishes his fast, then he's going to be more powerful than he was before. See, that's a lot of problems that I'm starting to see in the body of Christ. Every time God is causing or calling his people to fast, of course, the, the, the temptation of the devil is going to come because he does not want you to finish more powerful than you started. So he wants to get you to go deeper on a downward spiral back in, in a worse condition than you started. So the devil quoted, misquoted. And so many people, they do this and it's so sad without, because they don't study the scripture. The devil used scripture to try to get uh, Jesus to sin, but he misquoted Psalms 91. But Jesus, in his time of studying God's word, in his time of consecration, he knew the word and he spoke the, the, the right word back unto him. How many people are following after, quote unquote, Jesus? How many people are 
allowing certain pastors and preachers lead them based on inaccurate information based on partial scripture without revelation. How many? And you know what we do as the body of Christ? We fuss, we argue, we bicker between what's the right revelation and what's the wrong revelation. And we blame God for the the faults of man. There are every single the 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 son of god has given us the power of the holy spirit and the holy spirit is the counselor he's the teacher he's the one that is going to give us the revelation of the scripture but you can't expect to just read a scripture or you can memorize a scripture without receiving the revelation and think that you're going to be leading people you know what i'm saying you can't expect to say that, oh, God told me to do this and God told me to do that because you read one scripture. No. God is a God of timing. And we're, we're going to, um, we're about to close out on this portion. Um, but we're going to finish out with reading these last few scriptures here. Verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Amen. Remember when I said that we're not only learning the life of Christ as learning about our Savior, but we're learning to see the example that he left for us to live by. If you don't know God's word and you don't have his word in your heart, the devil has already defeated you. If you don't take your, your, if you think that there's another way in how to defeat the devil, you're already deceived. If you think that's just sitting in a pulpit or sitting, listening to other preachers and other pastors, uh, preach you the word, but you don't take that word and apply it to your own life. You're going to have a rough ride. As a child of God, it is your responsibility to know the Lord you say that you serve in his fullness. It is your responsibility to learn how to combat the enemy. I'm, oh, and this is so powerful. If you think that all you have to go to is a prayer service where you have prophets and preachers pray over you that and that's how you're going to get ahead in your life and that's how you're going to get power you're very much deceived although it is wonderful to get prayer it is wonderful to want to listen to to the word of god 
And those things do help you. But if you're trying to overcome sin, if you're trying to get the power in your life to cast out devils, if you're trying to get the power in your life to rebuke the enemy, you have to know the word of God in the area that you're struggling with. For example, Jesus was very hungry. He, of course, his flesh wanted to eat and have a drink. And Jesus said, hey, man, you got the power. Turn your, that stone into some bread. Jesus had a scripture to combat that lie. He said, man does not eat by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he knew that it wasn't just going to be that bread that was going to keep him alive. It was that word of God that was going to keep him alive. That was a scripture for the temptation. Every temptation, every single temptation that we have, there is, God has a word for it. How much word that you know. God is challenging you to know his word, to study his word so that you can get the victory over your life so that you can be victorious so that you can be powerful so that you can tell the devil to get out of your house, get out of your mind, get away from your job, get away from your siblings, get away from your mother, get away from your father. You can tell now you can tell the devil to get away, but the only thing the enemy has to bow to is the word of God. So I hope that we learned something today and we and we and we take this word and we digest it and we understand that we are royalty. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the lord of lords and if he is if we're in his genealogy then that makes us kings and priests on the earth. The Bible says in in first Peter chapter two, verse nine, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, peculiar people belonging to the almighty God who has called us out of darkness, but into his marvelous light. So I thank you so much for allowing God to reveal himself to you. I thank you so much that you have said yes to this journey to get to know him. And I guarantee you, you will, as you hold on, as you, as you continue to persevere, you will not regret it in Jesus name. Amen.